0: Show it to you this morning. Look at chapter number seven, verse number one. We're going to read to verse number eight. He says, And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on the tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. <clears throat> and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given uh, to hurt the earth and the sea. Saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Look at verse 4. It says, And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed 140 and 4,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah, there were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben, there were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad, were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Asher, were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Nephtali, were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Manasseh, we're sealed. How, how many do y'all think it was sealed? 12,000. That you see this, there's a pattern. It says, and of the tribe of, of Simeon, we're sealed uh, 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi, 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar, we're sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulun, we're twi- uh, sealed 12,000. And of the tribe of Joseph and Benjamin, we're just going to put them together, we're sealed 12,000. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask you as we uh, open up your word today that you'd give us understanding. Lord, without your understanding... Lord, then we have uh, no interpretation or no um, complete picture of what's going on here. God, I pray that um, you would help us to understand what you're doing with the nation of Israel, uh, not just in our times right now, but in this this scripture in chapter 7 of Revelation of the time that will be coming uh, and the things that are going to happen hereafter. God, we ask you that you just please give us the discernment and the wisdom. Lord, we pray that you'd be with us this morning, that through the Holy Spirit of God, uh, that we would be drawn closer to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for everything. Father, as we uh, have our service here, we ask you to be with our preachers that are out. Uh, and they're, going, they're preaching at other churches. Brother Adam preaching this morning. God, I pray the anointing would be with him as he shares the word of God. And Father, I just love you and just give you all glory and praise, Lord. And we just want to tell you all together, collectively, Lord, that we love you and we appreciate you. And thank you for allowing us to be in this service today. In Jesus Christ's name, we all pray it together. Amen. If While you're being seated this morning, we're going to preach about... Um, sealed and saved, and we're going to be talking about for the next two weeks, uh, maybe two weeks, it may even be longer than that, but we're definitely going to be talking about for the next two weeks, uh, this chapter 7. What's awesome is that it, it's not, some people call this a parenthesis, and some people call it kind of like a time out and stuff like that, I don't, I don't believe it to be that way. I look at it as more as that God gave us the summary of these seals, what was going to happen. You remember when we were in the throne room, what was the biggest thing that was seen, except for the lamb standing uh, as though he had been slain? What was the next thing that we saw in there? The Bible says that the one seated on the throne had a scroll in his right hand, and no one could open it. And you remember John... Uh, The Bible talks about in Revelation chapter 5, he began to cry because nobody was found worthy to open up that scroll. So that scroll kind of centered everything around the throne. You know, Jesus is there, the Father is there. That scroll and even the Spirit is there as the seven spirits, the seven flames, the spirits of God before him. But even in all of that, looking that Jesus was there... Something that centered all of the throne room together and kind of made everybody focus on it was that sealed scroll. You know, they were like, man, who's going to open that? And they were concerned about that. The elders, the 12 elders representing the Old Testament and then the other 12 that represented the New Testament believers. And on together there's the 24 elders and then those living creatures which were the created beings of angels that were before the throne of God. They looked at that seal and they were like, or looked at that scroll that was sealed up and they were like, what is that all about? And then it's like in the book of Revelation, God gives us something. You remember he told John to write these things down as he saw them and the things that he heard. You remember in Revelation chapter 1, Sister Gail, that he said, we're going to talk about first of all the things that were, then we're going to talk about the things that are, and then the things that will be coming here to pass that will be coming here after all of this and so he talked about the things that were and what's the things that were jesus christ he talked about he always was god the father son the holy spirit were always here then he talked about the things that is or that is happening that are happening now and what did he do for two chapters of revelation 2 and 3 what do we talk about the church we talked about the church days and the church age and the, and the gospel and what was going on with all those seven churches that are there in Asia. And so then in chapter 4, we see where he says, Come up hither, and rapture takes place, and the believers, the New Testament believers and the church, the saints that are within the church uh, are all called away. All these things John tells us about this, and they're uh, uh, taken out. You don't read about the church anymore in the book of Revelation until we get to the end where everybody is culminated together. But then he says, we talked about what was, we talked about what is, and then what is to come. All of these things are the things, these seals are the things that are going to happen. They're not things that have already happened. They're things that are going to happen. Some people think that the Antichrist has already come, and he's already done his destructive things, and that we're living in the millennial reign right now. We can't be living in the millennial reign right now. Let me go ahead and put that out of your mind, because the Bible says that millennial reign of Jesus Christ, there will be such peace on the earth where the lion will lay down by the lamb. It talks about that there will be Jesus Christ himself will be here. He will be reigning upon the throne. All of the believers will be reigning upon thrones with him. We will be service and and giving honor and glory unto the lamb that was slain. We're not in those days. We're not living in days of peace right now. This is not peaceful earth. Amen. So those things haven't happened yet. There's a guy that they say by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes that he was the Antichrist. There are some people that come in and they say that this other person, Hitler, was the Antichrist. And then they say that modern people today, just about every one of the American presidents has been known as an Antichrist at one time or another and uh, they can be known they're the best people in the whole world in one day and they're the worst people in the world in one day. Uh, Even Charles Manson himself declared that one time he was the devil and then he was Jesus and uh, that he declared he was both of them at the same time. That's, that's not true either. Uh, All of this stuff is going on and then Because of the scroll and because of its huge impact that was in the throne room, because the judgment of God, you remember that word was biblion for scroll in the Greek, which meant a writing that was given, an order or a law that was given. Same word that we get our Bible from, biblion is Bible. He said that, all these seals began to be opened up. Jesus opened the first one, the wild horse came with the Antichrist. Jesus opened the second one, the red horse in the picture of the Antichrist. Jesus opened the third, the black horse, and then the pale horse. And all these things happened. You remember, then they were martyred. Thousands upon thousands of martyred souls that were praying out from underneath the altar. Then the sixth seal last Sunday morning was open, and you remember it was a chaos on earth that the earth was shaking and crumbling and earthquaking and winds and rocks and mountains and islands being moved out of their places. But then in chapter number seven, right here, it's not that God goes, Time out, wait a minute, in the middle of it all. I believe that chapter number 7 is inserted right here because it's just like Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 gives us a small summary of God's creation. But in Genesis chapter number 2, especially in the creation of men and women, but in Genesis chapter number 2, what does he do? He clarifies everything about how man and woman was created. It's almost a summary, but then a detailed explanation. I look at chapter 7 of Revelation as is before God sent all of this judgment that was going to come in the tribulation time, here's what happened is that he had a time where he was sealing these people. He was sealing up these people, 12,000 from each tribe of Israel, 144,000. Now listen, there are a lot of people that have different views about this. There are some people that believe that these are the Jehovah's Witnesses and that they actually say today that if you are... A Jehovah's Witness that you are not going to be a part of the 144,000. That if you're in that uh, religion today, that there's no way you could ever be in this 144,000 because God has already selected all of them before the year 1978. And so therefore, if you die, then you will just be here on paradise earth. That it won't be heaven for you. You won't make it there. You'll just be here on paradise earth. And when you die, your body will be laid into the grave. And there will be no hope beyond that. You'll have, uh, it, there, there's actually no hell. Uh, which is a, you know, one of those things that would probably be good if you don't want to go there. Uh, go to a religion that teaches you that there's not one, right? And so uh, it's just an eternal state of your mind that you will just be in torment of your mind over and over. The Bible does not teach that at all. The Word of God teaches that there will be an eternal flame where the worm dieth not. There will be decaying. There will be eternal damnation. Now, and eternal means forever in our language today. It means always. So all of this stuff going on, there's people say, well, these 144,000 are Jehovah's Witnesses. There's some of them that believe that the 144,000 are the church people, that they're the church body and stuff like that. That can't be true either because we already know that there's going to be an untold number that's going to be raptured out, and they are the body of Christ, and they are the church, and that is us today, amen. So if the church is not here since chapter number 4 or the ending of chapter 3, then these people can't represent the church either. And also the church is not comprised of... Israel tribes, okay, and the tribes of Israel. The church is comprised of not being the wife of Jehovah. The church is comprised of being the bride of Jesus Christ. See, Israel was birthed out of God the Father, but the church is birthed out of Jesus the Son, amen? You say, really, Steve, that really confuses me. They're one and the same. The Bible says John the Baptist even talked about it in John chapter number 1. He said Jesus Christ came to bring truth and grace or grace and truth. And what he was doing was is that he said since Israel rejected him, he said, I have a new covenant with you. My new covenant is this. If you receive my body and you receive the blood of my sacrifice and you trust me as your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. Amen. So we're a part of the body. So looking at this, there was a question last week. There was a question that we talked about. The first thing in your notes today is that the question is going to be satisfied. It's awesome that when we ask a question, God will answer. Now, let me tell you this. Before you get onto the the uh, goody-goody gumdrop Christianity today and go, okay, so if I ask a question, God's always going to say yes. Let me tell you this with a no. He's not always going to say yes. Even Paul the apostle, which we believe would be the greatest apostle, one of the greatest evangelists, one of the greatest men of God, God told him no not only once, but we know for a fact that God told him no three separate times, amen? So God tells you no sometimes and because he's your father. But the question will be satisfied. Look, it says in this first of all, after these things, Revelation 7-1, after these things. After what things, Brother Steve? After the things that I have just spoken of that... All of this stuff is coming to be. After we understand the scroll, after we understand the, the seals 1 through 6 and how they're going to affect the earth, after we get the knowledge of, not, knowledge of that, not necessarily after all of that, but God is saying after all of this stuff is coming together and the culmination of the tribulation is going to take place, he said that there's things that we see there. But you remember last week that there was the question, and this was it. It says, for the great day of the wrath of the Lamb has come. And who shall be able to stand? That's a big question. They're talking about that all, and and this is what's awesome. This is what's great about your Bible. This is why Revelation chapter number 7 is inserted timely by our Lord and Savior. This is why the Word of God is perfect. Because we see all of this stuff we've talked about for six weeks now. All of this trouble, all of this tribulation, all of these seals, all of this stuff that's just like we can't even... You know what's so funny is we got people, we, you come to church and you hear all the things about the seven churches. You hear everything about those seven churches that are uh, uh, true. And you see these things and you go, man, those are great sermons and those are good and all this stuff. And then when we get into talking about the wrathful things and stuff like that, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to hang out on that one. I, I, I'm going to pass. You know what I mean? I, I think i got something else to do on that day. And so I'm not going to come on that day. But God gives it to us so great because why? We see last week that these people are going to be crying for the rocks to fall on them. Have you ever been in the place in your life before where you would think that it would be better to hide in caves and rocks fall on you? Listen, I would rather, this is me personally, I would rather fall out of the sky and out of an airplane without a chute than to be buried in a cave. That's just me. And I know that y'all are going to dig a hole someday and put me in unless the Lord Jesus comes back. And uh, I'm going to be like one of the sisters that are in this church. Don't bury me in a low-lying place. I don't want to be wet the whole time. Okay? (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha I know that's going to happen, but I, it, years ago, I worked for the city of Fultondale, and we had uh, the Lewisburg Mines were being closed up, and some of y'all might remember the Lewisburg Mines, and they actually run from where that racetrack gas station is in Fultondale on 31 Highway, down where uh, that Ken's breakfast house used to be, and, and it, all the older people are going, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, and uh, the mines went under there, and so we were cleaning off all that property, it was called City Supply, and we were getting rid of everything, and, and you know, there was lead paint there, but it, I don't think it really affected me, and, uh, there was lead paint there, and I don't think it affected me. You know, There was lead paint there, and I don't think it messed with me or affected me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But they had the mine, and everybody was like, let's go down in the mines. And I'm like, no, 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 no. But being a male and the pride and the hormones of the male, you're not going to let anyone outdo you? And so the goal was to see who would go the farthest. When I went all the way down and could turn back and look up, and all I saw was the light. And a hole up there, I told him, I'm out. My, my heart was beating 100 miles an hour, and I'm going, listen, I can't do this. I, I don't like caves. I don't like holes. It's just not meant for us to be this far down. You know what I mean? Six feet is plenty. And I don't want any more. I never, ever, ever have been to the place. I've been in despair. Yes, and I've been in depression. I've been in places where I was so discouraged, where I thought, Lord, what's going on? I have just as well as many, if not all, people in here have today. But I don't think I've ever been to the place where I thought it would be better that the rocks fall on me than for me to surrender and give my life to the Lord. It would be better that they thought that it would be better that rocks fall on them than for them to cry out to the rock of ages, Jesus Christ. And listen, they ask this question. This is not a question that's asked by the angels in heaven. This question that we're talking about that's going to be satisfied is not a question that was asked by the theologians. No, it was asked by the ones that were asking the rocks to fall on them. They said the great and terrible day of the wrath of the Lamb has come, and who shall be able to stand? Think about it. Who's going to be able to stand during the tribulation and the judgment of Jesus Christ upon Israel and upon this world? You know, a lot of people today, they want to try to confuse you. They want to try to tell you that Israel's done away with. They want to try to tell you that there'll be no one saved in the tribulation period and stuff like that. Listen, and I hope that you have never, ever heard that come out of my mouth before. I've told you many times, listen, that you think you're going to because you receive, you've you heard of grace now. And you think that you're going to wait. And you're going to turn a deaf ear to the Holy Spirit now and that God's going to do that when the Holy Spirit is extracted out of here and you think you're going to do it then. The Bible says you'll be leave a strong delusion. You'll believe a lie. Amen. But there will be people during that tribulation time that they're going to be sealed by God and there's going to be some of them, Brother John, that are going to be saved by God also. Yeah. And we need to understand... That the Bible says, who shall be able to stand? God answers that question, church. He answers it very clear in chapter number 7. So what does he do? God's judgment was stayed. God's judgment said, listen, before you can go, before you can do these things, he stayed his judgment. He pulled it back and he said, I'm going, to do, I'm going to do something before the judgment comes. And you say, well, what do you mean, Brother Steve? God took his hand and withheld all of these things from coming. He had it in his hand, amen, the scroll. He withheld these things from coming the same way that he did for Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Everybody understand the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? You know, a lot of people misunderstand the uh, the scripture of Sodom and Gomorrah. They always think that it was just a city that was full of homosexuality. I'm here to tell you today, it wasn't just full of that. It was just full of sin. Sin is sin no matter what it was. Liars, thieves, murderers, idolaters, adulterers, all these things. All this stuff. It doesn't matter. It was a city and cities that were full of sin. They were at the base of the the Dead Sea. But look at what the Bible says right here about Sodom and Gomorrah. He said unto Lot, he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for which thou hast spoken. He said, haste thee, get up and get out. He said, escape thither. Look at what God says. For I cannot do anything... Till thou become thither. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. The Bible says that God told Lot before he came in and destroyed the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, You need to get out because I can't do anything until you are out of the way. You know what, church? God, when he takes the church out of here, judgment will come. But before it does, he's going to stay it, and he's going to do what? He's going to have sealed people of God in their foreheads, 12,000 from each tribe of Israel, and that's going to equal 144,000. Look with me at the four things that we see in this scripture, first of all. Verse number one, four things. He says, number one, there's four angels that are here. Just because you say, well, Brother Steve, do you think these are those four angels and the four living creatures before the throne? It could be. It could not be. It doesn't matter. There's a multitude of angels. They're created beings of God, but it says that there are four angels. You say, well, what do you think that means? they are four messengers of God's will and His enforcement of His will that are going to come and do these things. The Bible says that they're going to come in this, and they're going to afflict the earth, which will be the grass and the waters, the seas, all of those things. Then the Bible says that the second thing is that there's four corners of the earth. They were standing on the four corners of the earth. I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, I knew it. I knew it. I knew the earth was flat. I knew the earth was flat, right? No, it's not talking about that. We know the earth's not flat. (laughs) The earth is as round as my head, all right? It's a sphere. It's going around. The Bible even talks about in the Old Testament that it is a sphere. It's it's an encompass. It's circled together. But you say, well, Brother see, what is he talking about? The four corners of the earth. He's not talking about grabbing a hold of the four corners. But listen, we understand it to be just like this. North, south, east, and the west, because it talks about standing on the four corners of the earth and going to grab a hold of what? The four winds of the earth. We understand that there's a directional thing that God has given us. You know what's great about this? Is that if we were to go north and go north and go north, you know what I mean? Eventually we'd be going south. If we go north and we go on the other side of the, the earth, we're going south. And then we're coming back north and coming back south. But isn't it great that we talk about as far as the east is to the west, our sins are removed from us, never to be brought up against us again. But if you go east, you just keep going east and you go east and you go east and you go east. If you go west, you just go west and you go west and our sins are thrown out as excited about that but maybe if you confess them you'd be excited amen listen here's the third thing he says and then there's another angel that ascends out of the east the bible says that this angel comes up and he ascends out of the east people try to figure this out they try to go why the east because the the sun because all of this the eastern gate and all this stuff he just does god's doing a great work and he's going to do great work that comes out of the east the bible talks about that this is another angel listen this angel is not above those other four angels. There's no angel above another. If you were to ask one today, ask Satan, because he thought he was even above God, but yet he fell, right? amen. So the angels are not above one another. They just do what God tells them to do. And then the fourth thing that you see is that this angel has the seal of the living God, amen? It says that in this seal, what do you think it is, Brother Steve? What do you think the seal of the living God is? Well, you've got to go to Revelation 14, And uh, we'll talk about that. Revelation chapter 14 and verse number 1 says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion. It says, And with him 144,000. Hey, how about that? Having his Father's name written in their foreheads. Church, the seal is simply this. It's the seal of the Lamb of God with the Father's name upon these people. See, it is not the name of Jesus upon these people, which is what we bear. We bear the name of Jesus. Amen. It's not the name of Jesus, but these that are sealed are twelve thousands from the tribe, each tribe of Israel, and they're sealed with the name of God the Father upon them all because God did this in a wonderful way. It represents two things. Number one, it represents possession. God says that these people are mine. You know, there's a song that says, now I'm his and he is mine. You know what I mean? It says now I'm his and he is mine and man just thinking about that the possession that God has on them. Uh, did you know that the Israelites in the Old Testament, when the priesthood came about, that they used to wear these things called phylacteries and telephines? And you say, what in the world is a phylactery? Well, you don't work at it like a factory, but it's a, and a telephine is not a telephone. But the phylacteries were boxes that they would put, and inside of it, it had a small scrolled piece of paper that had the scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 6. And you know what the scripture says? It says, write upon thy heads and upon thy hands the word of God, and remember it as a memorial that they would keep it. So what the Israel? <laughs> this is funny, it is funny. Y'all need to lighten up a little bit. So what the Israelites did when they read that, instead of understanding, we're to take the word of God into our minds and hearts and understand it. And we're also to take it in everything that we do, we do in the works of the Lord and take it out there. They actually made these phylacteries, these telephines, which were small boxes. They looked like wedding ring boxes. And they would put them on their head and strap them with a leather strap. And then they would put a box on their hand and they would strap it and the leather straps would go up their arm like a snake. First of all, I ain't doing that with anything that looks like a snake. But the other thing is is that Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, you, you it, it enlarge in your, your borders around your garments. He's like, you're trying to put more things on your garments like tassels to show everybody what you know about the Word. He says, and you've also made large the phylacteries or the telephines. And what he's saying is, is, he said, look, he said, you're walking around talking about how much you know the Word of God. And he said, you're missing the whole point. The Word of God should be in your mind. The Word of God should be in you, not on the outside of you, to show off and to brag about. Listen, we you say, Brother Steve, that's the silliest thing in the world. You ought to go with me sometimes to some of pastor friend's office and see all of the writings and all of the degrees and all of this stuff that is just bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and boastful and boastful. Listen, church, we if we go to school, nothing's wrong with seminary. I have a bachelor's in theology. There's nothing wrong with that. You know what's wrong with it is when you ask one pastor, do you know what theology is, they go, well, I don't know what I got. I got, I got a, a master's in it. Theology, theos is God. Theology is a the study of. It's a study of God. So somebody asked me one time, and said, well, how much do you know about God? I said, about as much as you do. Very small. Listen, we don't know as much about God as we think we do, no matter how big we make our diplomas. It's not about that. Amen? God says it's possession. He writes his name upon their foreheads. What it means is, is he is saying, these people are my people. And you say, "Well, brother, see, why, what does it matter? What does it matter if 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 they show that they are the people of God and they are sealed by God because of the next thing? When Christ comes and He's trying to overtake the world, brother David, these people are going to be sealed and they're going to have the name of God upon them, and Satan is not going to be able to harm them. Amen. Satan's not going to be able to hurt them, to inflict them. The Bible talks." locusts which are demons that will come up out of the pit and when they come up out they'll have a sting of a scorpion and it says that these people that are sealed will not be able to be hurt by that but the people that are not sealed and not believers and not saved you know what it says brother john it says that they will hurt for months and months and months and the pain will not go away think about it god tells us that he possesses these people and he protects these people you know the bible tells us that we're sealed did you know that that we're sealed the bible tells us that every new testament believer is sealed in jesus christ ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 he says in whom you also trusted who is it that you trusted in anybody trust in jesus in here Amen. you trusted in Jesus how after that you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that you believed what happened after you believed you were sealed with that holy spirit of promise amen which is what it's the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise and glo- uh, uh, the praise of his glory you now the bible says that we were sealed you know what it's talking about in those days? And, and, and please go into the days that they lived. N- not, no one in here really writes letters anymore. Some people do. It's kind of what they say a lost art. But I guarantee you that none of you seal them the way that they sealed them in those days. When we're talking about this time period, about 90, 92 AD, when John is writing these scriptures, when Paul was writing his scriptures, the Roman Empire, the Roman Kingdom was, was prevalent among all of the other nations. They had came in and just about wiped out every other nation. And they are lifted up and they would have insignias and Caesars and emperors would have rings. And on those rings it would be their own seal. And what they would do is, is when they would sign a document, instead of signing their name and using 1,400 pens like our presidency does today, have you ever noticed that they have to have a new pen for every contract that they sign? You know what? You know, I, I think that's crazy. What a waste. Anyway, they go and sell those things probably on eBay or something and make a lot of money off of them. But th- what they would do in those days is they would take wax and they would seal up that letter. And as they sealed up that scroll, they would take wax and put it on there. And then that uh, Caesar or that emperor or that governor would take his ring and his seal and he would put that on there. And when he put that on there, if it was cracked, if it was removed, if it had been opened up, then they knew, the person that received it, they knew that it was faulty and that someone came in and forged that document and did something to that document. But as long as it had that seal of that wax and it was still sealed off and it had that insignia of that king, emperor, or whoever it was, then they knew that this word was from them. That's what the Bible says God's going to do with these people. Listen, John is taking these earthly illustrations. He's told to write these things as he sees them and as he understands them. And he's showing us that God is going to do to them the same way. You know what we do today when we seal it? And then some of you go, what in the world? And you peel that thing off and then close it together, right? Y'all got to wake up. That was funny. You know it's funny. Some of you probably don't even know what I'm talking about, you know. Now you don't even use mail. What do you do? You use email, right? Right. But even in email today, some of it is encrypted to where it's sealed, to where it's not going to be able to be broken into. Listen, church, he's saying that these people will be sealed by God. They will not be able to be tampered with because why? They belong to him, and he's going to protect them. Here's the last thing this morning. I know that you're thinking, man, it is only 1120, and Brother Steve is already, yeah, it's 1120 in my time. It's only 1120, and Brother Steve's already on the third point. Amen. Look, the Bible says there's going to be servants that are sealed. These people are going to be the servants of God. They're going to be the witness of God. Look at verse number 8, oh excuse me, verse number 4. He says, "And I heard the number of them which were sealed." And there were sealed 144,000, all of the tribes of the children of Israel, and of the tribe of Judah, and the tribe of Reuben, and Gad, and Asher, and Nephtali, and Manasseh, and Simeon, and Levi, and Iskar, or Iskar, and Zebulon, and Joseph, and Benjamin. All of these servants are sealed. But church, look at the number of them. It says there's going to be 144,000 of them. 144,000. 12,000 from each tribe. And if you've been here on a Wednesday night, I know that you're expecting some kind of mathematical equation from me right now. If you've come and listened to Daniel and all of these things, but I really don't have any understanding of why there's 12,000, why there's an equal of 144,000, other than the simple fact that God's Word says that that's what it's going to be. And so that's just what it's going to be. And, uh, and to sum it up in our terminology today, is just, that's just the way it is. There's going to be this number that God has. God's doing a great thing with them, and God's going to do a complete work with them. Uh, if you're come, Listen, if you'll come this Wednesday and next Wednesday, you'll understand, too, that God's got a remnant. God's always got a people that he's going to use. But look at this. I wanted you to see their number. There's 12,000 from each tribe. But look at the next part. I want you to see this. They're all of the tribes of the children of Israel. You know what? There are people that think that the tribe of Issachar is Caucasian people, that the tribe of this one is uh, African-American people, that the tribe of Listen, Let me tell you something. We're, we're way off base. We're way off base. We've got to understand something. Take yourself and our selfish thoughts out of this for just one moment and understand that the seed of Israel is scattered abroad across this earth. We know that. Because of all of their persecution and their suffering that they've gone through, the seed of Israel and the tribes of Israel are scattered abroad. But they are coming back together as we speak. Ever since 1948, they are coming together. They had a Zionist movement uh, in the 18-something, and they're bringing their people back together. Uh, you, see, we couldn't say this years ago. The preacher from 50 years ago could not say what I'm about to tell you with full assurance, but I can tell you this with full assurance. And you say, how do you know, bro? See, I've heard it straight from the horse's mouth. That's what we say here in the South. Uh, there are some that say, well, they'll never know who they were. Well, I talked personally in Israel with our Jewish guide, and her mother is called a Catholite. And a Catholite was one of the groups of the people that were the Levite tribe, they broke out into three branches. And Cathoites were some of them that were of that branch. And their responsibility was to bring in the priesthood. that They were to keep up with Aaron and who, and who his son was and who his son was and who his son was and who his son was. And they can go all the way back, church, and they have a list. She's talked about the list. They have a list that actually shows who the next priest in line is going to be. They know who their people are. They have kept up with them and have understood the lineage that's gone down through there and this one breaks to here and here they're very strict at that if you don't believe me look at matthew chapter number one and look at luke chapter number three and you'll see that they were very very strict and very detailed with keeping genealogies in their family because why that's how they understood what tribe they were from even when we get to paul brother brian when we look over there paul even says that he was of the tribe of benjamin You look at it, they understood where they were from. So church, they knew that. Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. We understand those things. And so this is not to be Americanized. And this is not to be worldly made into something that's not there. God said, I'm going to do a work with Israel. And Israel is still the same Israel. Who is Israel? It is the sons of Jacob. It is the descendants of Jacob. And God's not finished with them. And he's going to do a work with them. And he's going to use them, church. You say, well, see, what is he going to use them to do? They're going to be some of the best evangelistic witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. He seals them. You say, well, why does God do this? Why why is God so wrapped up in doing this for the children of Israel? Number one, because he made that promise to Abraham. He didn't make that promise to you, he made a promise to Abraham and God's going to keep his word and he's going to keep his promise. He made the promise in the covenant with David, also in the book of Samuel. He told him that the people would always be a people and that if he would always leave one that would do what? Would sit upon his throne. He not only made a covenant with him, but Jeremiah, the, uh, uh, the prophet, talked about that God was going to still do a work with Israel. Even in Jeremiah, where he says that they're so crazy, and they have sinned and rebelled, and all this suffering they're going to go through, he said God's still going to do a work with them. He said he was going to rise, uh, uh, King Cyrus, and stir the heart and do all this stuff, church. And if you don't understand, you had not been here on Wednesday night, even now, the days that we live in, our president, Donald Trump, is being called King Cyrus to the Israelites, Things are warming up. Things are ready. You say, what does that mean for us, Brother Steve? You better get ready because Jesus will be coming soon. When we see summertime approaching us, we need to be ready. So these are 12 tribes. And here's the last thing. The reason that this is going to happen is because Jesus said so also in Matthew chapter 24. He says, look, and he said, uh, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect. Look, from where? The four winds from one end of heaven to the other. He said he would gather them all together. Jesus said it. Paul preached about it in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, church. It's going to happen because God said so. Here's something that I want you to look at. In the Old Testament, in Numbers chapter number 1, the children of Israel were coming into the land of Israel. They were coming into the promised land, okay, in the land of Canaan. Here's the list that's in the Numbers chapter 1. God said, Abraham... He said whenever excuse me Moses whenever they come into the land here's how they will possess it. We're going to give land to Reuben, then we're going to give it to Simeon, then we're going to give it to Judah and then they will have this land. Then we're going to go to the next three, we're going to go to Issachar, Zebulun and Ephraim. They'll go into these areas. Manasseh, Benjamin and Dan, they'll go into this area. Dan was over towards what we would say Tel Aviv today, towards the Mediterranean Sea. And then he said in the last three, Asher, Gad and Naphtali said they will go into these parts. And God separated them out, gave them according to that. But if you're looking at your Bible, please pay attention to this. This is very important. This is very, very, very important. Because this is where you're going to get hung up whenever you're in a discussion with people and they look at you and go, hey, your number chapter number one, order of the children, uh, of the tribes of Israel. They're different from Revelation chapter number seven. So therefore, your Bible's got errors in it and your Bible is messed up and your Bible's wrong. Don't believe that. Don't believe that. Because in the Old Testament, whenever the 12 tribes of Israel were listed, this is Numbers chapter 1 when they were actually going into the land. But they were actually listed 18 other times in different ways. They were spoken of in different ways. Okay, It's not about that. This is how they inherited the land. So the Bible says this is how they're going to be sealed. Look at how they're sealed. The Bible says that you will have, first of all, Judah, then Reuben, and Gad. Now, some of you go, wait a minute, Brother Steve, it was Reuben, Simeon, and Judah. Why is Judah mentioned first? The only thing that I can understand, Brother John, is because the Bible says that Jesus is of the tribe of Judah, that he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. The Bible tells us also that Jesus conquered death and the grave. And now, in the book of Revelation, chapter number 5 and 6, it's presenting Jesus Christ as what? Or chapter 4 and 5, it presents him as the one who has prevailed. Amen. So why not mention his tribe first? Hey, Amen. People go, well, I just don't want that to Well, it doesn't matter to you or it doesn't matter to me. It's mentioned first. But look, here's something that you notice that's different right here. These two are replaced. Dan is not mentioned anymore and Levi takes the place. Levi was not in the old group, but Levi is now adapted into this one. Why? Why? And here's another thing that you think, well, it's a mistake, Brother Steve. Joseph is mentioned in Revelation chapter 7, but in Numbers chapter number 1, Ephraim is mentioned in there. Brother Steve, why would they do something like that? Well, it's only by one reason, because Dan and Ephraim, those two tribes, led the children of Israel into idolatry. They led the children of Israel into sin and idolatry, and Dan was one of the forefront leaders. Why did Levi come in? Because Levi, the Levites, they were the ones that are going to come in and do the service of the Lord. They were the priesthood. Joseph is who? The father of Ephraim and all of them. And Manasseh, they brought him in. It's not a mistake. It's because Dan and and, uh, Ephraim committed sin. Look, Dan, it says in Judges 18, it says, in the children of Dan set up the graven image. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, and the son of Vanessa, he and his sons were the priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. It says that they were in so much sin of idolatry that another tribe had to bring their priest in, Brother Brian, in order to help the people that were in the tribe of Dan out. You know what? That Some people even believe that Jesus Christ came out of the tribe of Judah being what? The Christ, the Messiah. They even teach that out of the tribe of Dan will come the Antichrist. And scriptures even back it up. Look at what it says, Genesis 49. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, an adder or a viper in the path that bite the horse's heels so that the rider shall fall backwards. Look at what the Bible says about Dan in Jeremiah. Chapter 8, verse 16. The snorting of his horses were heard from Dan. Hey, four of them. It says four horses. The snorting of his horses were heard from Dan. The whole land trembled at the sound of his neighing of his strong ones, for they have come and devoured the land and all that is in it, and the city uh, and those who dwell in it. God said that he would blot out, listen to this, blot out the name of the idolater, not the adulterer, the idolater. You know what idols are. Idols are not simply wrapped up in wood and silver and gold, little bitty creations and stuff like that. But that's what was going on in the tribe of Dan, is that they were bringing people to worship things that were false. Listen to what God said to them in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 18 through 21. So that there may not be among you a man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God. See, God gave a reason. Some people think, well, why would God just tell Dan, I'm going to wipe your name out? Oh, poor pitiful Dan. No, he says, so that people will not be deceived by you. This is what I'm going to do. He said, so that you will not turn away the hearts of those from the Lord our God. Look, to go and serve the gods of these nations, that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood, and so it may not happen when he hears the words of this curse that he blesses himself in his heart saying, I shall have peace even though I follow the dictates of my own heart. Look at these words. As if the drunkard could stand with the sober. I'm going to tell you right now, if someone in here is drunk, they stick out more than the sober and the sober sticks out from the drunkard. It does. He said, Dan can't stand with the tribes of Israel, and neither can Ephraim. It would be like putting a drunk man and a sober man together. You could tell the difference. Amen? Look at the last thing that he says. He says, the Lord will not spare him, for then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy would burn against that man, and every curse that is written in this book would settle on him. And the Lord would blot out his name from under heaven. And the Lord would separate him from all the tribes of Israel for adversity according to all the curses of the covenants that are written in the book of this law. He said he would separate him and that he would remove him. Church is going to remove all of them. And I know our passive world today, we go, oh, Poor, pitiful Ephraim and poor, pitiful Dan and all these things. And, Brother Steve, why is God so hard? Why would God be so hard on us? All I've ever heard in my whole life is that, you know, Brother Steve, if I just say this prayer and repeat this thing and I get baptized and I go to church, that I could be okay. And that's why, you know, I come every now and then. I do this and, 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 and sin and God's going to accept me and I do all these things. Listen, let me tell you something. That's because you've been told a lie because it's not about just repeating a prayer and being baptized and going into the church and coming by every now and then. It's about being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he gives the words. He says, why do you call me Lord and do not the things that I say? Why? Because if he is your Lord, you follow him and you do the things he says. You know, I have talked with many, many people throughout my life of being a pastor. Some people have talked to me about how they didn't want to give up their sins. They were having good times and they didn't have want to give up all of their buddies and all of their friends and stuff like that listen it's hard for those people they walk away it hurts it hurts me but i can't imagine how much it hurts the lord some people have come in they give everything to god they say they lay it all out right here and we're going to do this and we ain't going to do that and we're going to stop this and stop that and then all of a sudden uh, within years they go back there exactly doing the same thing that they were before they came to christ you know and you say well, what do you say about that brother steve well, it says in First John, it says if they were of us, they would have continued with us. Because they were not of us, they went away from us. So they were not of us. The Bible talks about that Or people have come to me before and said, Well, Steve, I, I, I want to know what I need to do as a Christian now, now that I say that I'm saved, and, and I want to know what I need to do now and stuff. And I talk to them about church. I talk to them about reading their Bible. I talk to them about fellowship. I talk to them about Sunday school. Try to get them involved in this and this and this. And they go, I, I, just, I ain't got time for that. I don't want to do this. I've had people that come and talk to me about, ask me the question, what is tithing and what do we need to do with that? And I sit down and tell them, and then they never come back anymore. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? What, what, what's going on, Brother Steve? It, it's just a simple fact that following the Lord is not simply just saying, Lord, just you do for me and take me to heaven, and therefore I'll just keep doing everything I was doing. That's not how it works. It says that you repent, which is a methaneo, which means that you turn away from all of your sin and you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about getting a get-out-of-hell-free card and not pass and go and getting $200. It's not about sitting around saying, well, I'm just going to live like I want and do what I want, act like I want, speak like I want, and who are you to judge me? It's what everybody does today. That's not discipleship. That's not a true salvation, a true person of God. When you confront them and you talk to them and say, hey, you're going backwards and you're veering away, or I see you doing this or you're doing that, they take that in conviction of the Holy Spirit of God and they're willing to pray with you and to repent and to come back. Yes. Nowadays, you talk to a Christian and say, hey, you know, and they look at you and go, who are you to judge me? I'm not not judging you. I'm trying to help you. What do you think you are? Well, I'm just trying to be a pastor. Trying to be a friend. Trying to be a follower of Jesus Christ and a disciple along with you. Iron sharpening iron. You see me doing wrong. Listen, the things that I'm coming to you about are not things that I've made up. It's things from the word of God. And that's where the Bible says, judge not lest you shall be judged. By the same judgment you judge with, you will be judged. What's it talking about? We judge by this book. They don't come to you, Sarah, and go, you know what? I think you're wrong and you're in sin because you wore a blue. No, I'm not going to go there. (laughs) Blue and white shirt. I picked the wrong person because I got a blue and white shirt on. But mine's got checkered. If I took it off, I'd look like a big old picnic uh, table, you know. Sarah, yours is horizontal. I just don't believe God's God's good with that. See, that's judging out of my own judgment. No, 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 no. But if God's word says that we shouldn't wear blue and white horizontal stripes, then we should say, hey, God's word says that. And therefore, I can't come to her with a blue and white horizontal stripes on my shirt and judge her for what she's doing when I'm doing the same thing. And I'm going to tell you something, you know where churches would turn inside out and be on fire for the Lord and souls would be saved? If they got a hold of that. Amen. If they got a hold of the fact that, listen, you can't go out there and tell everybody else what, uh, what they're doing wrong and you're over here doing all this other stuff. Listen, the Bible says these serpent, serpents, we're going to close with this, these serpent, uh, servants are sealed, secured, and they're set apart. The Bible says they're sealed from the living God. They are secure, they're going to endure to the end. Come on, Brother Brandon. You said, Brother C, what do you mean they're going to endure to the end? You remember the Bible says when God flooded the earth and destroyed all flesh from the face of the earth. The Bible says that ever how long it took Noah and them to build the ark and to do all those things. But the Bible says whenever Noah and his family, eight souls that were inside the ark. You know what it says about them? It says that they were safe inside the ark. They were still in tribulation though. Listen, Brother Heath, they were in that ark. They were sealed on the inside and the out. The Bible says it was pitch, but there's two words that's used for pitch in the Hebrew back there in Genesis chapter 6. One word is called kefir, which is meaning atonement, and one word is called kefar, which is meaning (coughs) redemption or ransom. And what it means is, is that they were atoned and sealed from the inside, but on the outside, they were ransomed by God. They were sealed up. But listen, you take that boat and you got waters that are bursting up from the fountains of the earth and waters that are coming down and they're moving and it's so rapid that it's destroying the face of the earth, you're in a boat, you're still in tribulation. That thing was rocking around. you got to know that it was rocking around and moving around. And, man, it was being thrown. Waves were doing all of this stuff while all of those waters were coming down. They were still in the tribulation. But the Bible says that Noah and his family, Brother Ricky, were safe inside of that that ark. Why? Because they were sealed inside the ark. God shut the door and sealed them in. The Bible says there's going to be 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel that are going to be sealed by the living God. And it's going to be his seal. And they're going to be in tribulation, but Brother David, they're not going to be able to be hurt. You know, I believe, looking at the scriptures, and some of you other preachers may, you know, believe this or may not. But I believe that these are going to be sealed because they're going to come to faith and believe who Jesus Christ really is. It, because that's the only way. There's no other name given under heaven whereby we are saved. Other than they're going to be saved by grace. It's going to be God's grace. They're going to be sealed. But I believe that they're going to come to the understanding of who Jesus is. And the way that I believe it's going to happen is later on in Scriptures of Revelation, the Bible says that there's two witnesses that are going to come to the earth and they're going to be testifying of Jesus and who he is. It talks about Moses and Elijah. They're actually going to be slain in the streets and they're going to be laying out there for a certain amount of days. And, you know, the Bible says that all the people of the earth will behold them. And you say, how can that happen? Especially in John's day. It can happen now. Facebook, live stream, everything that we have, you know what, you'll get an alert, like an Amber alert, and boom, they can be pulled up right there on your phone. All that stuff, times are ready. Everything that John talked about that he really couldn't understand but wrote because God told him to write, and he didn't fully understand it, we see these things. We see them happening. And so I believe these 12,000 come to an understanding of who Jesus Christ, the true Messiah, actually is, And they're going to go out, Brother John, and they're going to be preaching. They're going to be the witnesses. They're going to be, listen, this is awesome, 144,000 John the Baptists. Imagine that. John the Baptist said, Herod, you're wrong for having your brother's wife. (laughs) Man, Got his head cut off. They ain't even going to be able to cut these heads off. They're not going to be able to hurt them. God's going to protect them. You see, I wonder how God's going to protect them the same way he protected Jesus until his time was come. The multitude was going to grab him. The Bible says that he was gone. He walked through the midst of them. 12,000 from each tribe preaching. Listen, the earth is going to have a move of God. So that brings us to the first thing that we talked about. The great day of the wrath of the Lamb has come, and who shall be able to stand? Who shall be able to stand? sometimes we look at it and we go nobody's going to be saved nobody could go through that But the Bible tells us there are going to be those sealed they're going to be saved by God they're going to be able to stand in the day of wrath this is the last thing I know that we look at it and we go brother Steve why do you think God would why would God have judgment on Israel like that and upon the nations of the earth that are unbelieving and Why would God seal them and use them to do this in order to reach people in that last time of judgment? Why why would God do those things? Well, I'm going to answer that question like a politician with another question. Why would God take these years that we've been in since the book of Acts chapter number 8 and the establishment of the New Testament church and allow you to come and hear a message of God anytime you wanted to at any road or street in Alabama? You could turn on the television and you could hear an evangelist on TV. You could turn on the radio and hear the gospel being preached to you. Why would God save people like me and some of these others and all of us that are in here and then have us to witness for him and witness for him and witness for him? It's because God is gracious and God is long-suffering. And God is not you and you are not God. And God loves way more than we could ever, ever understand. It's an unexplainable mercy that God has. You're not going to understand this, and Brother David and I was talking about it earlier, but even in the recent events that happened this last week or this last month, when God sent His Son to die on the cross for the sins of people, God sent His Son not only to save that young little girl and to take her safely into the arms of Jesus Christ where she is now, God also saved And can save, not save, but can save whoever it was that did those horrible things. You say there's no way. If you believe that, then you have no forgiveness of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, then you cannot have forgiveness. Because, why? Listen, we can't claim that God just did it for us because we're good. No. Because God's not a respecter of persons. and He never cared about how good you were. But when God saved me, you know where he found me? God found me in some horrible things. That I don't like talking about. I don't like sharing. I've set my boys down and told things to them only because I didn't want them to hear it from other people because it was my past and my sins. But I hate talking about it. But God's love reached down and saved a horrible, wretched, vile sinner just like the thief on the cross when he saved me. But you know what? That should give you Christians hope. It shouldn't make you puff up and go, ah, glad to be saved in the house of God. No, it shouldn't make you go, if God loves people that much, then we ought to pray for these others out here that are lost. And we ought to be the witnesses that we need to be to them before they come to a place where they can't make a decision to be saved. Amen? Will you pray with me? If you have no forgiveness for a brother or sister, the word of God says then God has no forgiveness for you. If you cannot forgive, then God will not forgive you. It's that easy. If you're holding hatred and you're holding bitterness in your heart because you think that someone like that couldn't be saved, I'm telling you, you need to check now and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for thinking that way. If you're not saved, I'm asking you today to come to Christ and say, Lord, save me. I'm not asking you to repeat a prayer with me. I'm asking you to simply from your heart say, Lord, save me. I trust you as my Lord and Savior. You have my whole life. It's all yours. I turn it over to you. Save me. If you know that you're saved, but yet you're not ready to face the Lord, I'm asking you this morning to say, Lord, forgive me. Help me to be looking and help me be prepared for you. Father, as we come to you this morning, it's all about.